Welcome to another inspirational message from Church on the Rock Pile. Thank you for listening. And if you would like more information, you can visit us at www.therockchurch.co.za. Welcome to church. Wherever you're watching, I just want to say get yourself comfortable as we just spend a few moments today. And for those of you who have tuned in, if you're being honest, maybe you're exploring faith. Maybe a friend told you about church and you decided to tune in. Maybe you're looking for some inspiration and hope today. But what I can tell you is it is not a mistake that you have tuned in. God has a plan for your life. And you might be saying, Jared, how can he have a plan for my life? I can't go anywhere. I'm on lockdown. Just know your best days are ahead of you because the best is yet to come. I want you to know there is a God who loves you. Not the future version of you, not the restored version of you, but you have a God who is madly in love with you right now. And we love you as well. Camille and I are missing every single one of you. And we can't wait for the day where we just get together in person again and just do life with every single one of you. But today I'm so excited to be talking with you because I'm going to be talking about shifting your focus. Let's shift our focus, turning fear into faith. Because fear is something I think we can all relate to. Uh, we all having to process fear in a different way, in one way or another. Maybe for you it's just figuring out how to handle fear. Maybe you're trying to figure out what you're really afraid of. Are you afraid of getting COVID-19? Are you afraid of getting your job back after all of this? Are you afraid that your business won't be the same again? Maybe it's, will I get that degree that I've been studying for now that this has all happened? The reality is, we are all dealing with fear. And I believe we can have faith over fear. We can shift our focus, we can shift our perspective and turn from fear to faith. I believe that wherever you are at in your journey in life, that this message is going to help you, it's going to encourage you, it's going to leave you with hope and some positive steps, some practical steps that you're going to see faith rise up and win in your life and fear lose. During this time, I love being a dad. I, I just love being a dad in general. But this time, this COVID-19, this week, I was thinking about it. And I love being able to have the time to spend with my little girl as she grows up to be there for all those moments. Now, I've learned something during this time about both Camille and Sophia, and that is their love language is quality time. How many of you like know that's probably one of the most difficult love languages to give? Quality time. Who else is in that boat? Like, I'm in that boat. But I think they've taken it even one step further if I think about it, and they've changed it to quality attention. Because we are on lockdown, it's not just enough being in the room with them, but I have to be giving them quality attention. Sophia will be playing with her toys, but if daddy isn't paying her attention, interacting with her, then according to her, I'm not giving her any time, any attention, because it's not enough quality attention. And I got, I got to thinking about this concept of quality attention, and it made me think about my sister-in-law. Yes, my sister-in-law, she's a teacher and she has to teach a class and now she's teaching Zoom classes and it made me think about being in a class and I'm sure she can relate to this and to be honest, every single one of us can. 
I'm talking about when the teacher's trying to get their class's attention before they want to start. The class is not paying any attention because the, everyone in there is just wanting to chat with their friends next to them, in front of them, behind them, but they're not giving her the attention. I think we can all remember those days. And for all you teachers, I feel for you right now because to try and get a child's attention takes patience. And the class has all the teacher's attention. The class is all the teachers, but the teacher doesn't have all the class's attention. And thinking of this, I believe God is trying to teach us something. He's trying to teach us something because just like the teacher trying to get the class's attention, I believe God is trying to get humanity's attention. And because from the very beginning, he's had all of, we've had all of his. From the very beginning, we've had all of his. You see, we don't have a God who is mad at us. We have a God who loves us. And from the time he breathed life into humanity, we've had all his attention. He knows everything about us, our good, our bad, and he still loves us. And I love how David puts it in the book of Psalms, Psalm 139. He says, you know everything about me. And I encourage you, to this week, go and read it. It's beautiful. He says, there is nothing I can do to escape your love. I can go to the highest of heights, the lowest of lows, and you are there. You knew me before I was born. And Psalm 139, 13 to 16 says this. It says, for you created my inmost being. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. You need to know something today. Because that is amazing right there. You need to know you are God's original design. You are God's absolute original design. God knew you before you were created. And he has watched you grow up and develop. And he has forever been focused and captivated with you. Yes, you. That means we have all of God's attention. And right now, you might be feeling alone at home or in that hospital. You might be feeling alone in that flat. Maybe you even got people around you, but you're still feeling alone. You need to know something. You don't just have a God who is on your side. You have a God who is by your side right now. We have all of God's attention. Now, the question that popped into my head when I saw this is the same question that I'm going to ask you. And that question is, does he have any or all of ours? Does he have any or all of ours? Because what I realized about my life is the moment that God finally got all my attention, the moment that God finally gets all our attention is the moment life begins to matter. That's the moment when life moves from the ordinary to the extraordinary. It moves from the mundane to the miraculous. 
It moves from a life of survival to a life of significance. It moves from a life of wandering to a life of purpose. When God finally gets your attention is when things really start to change. It's the moment when we realize His grace. It's the moment when we realize His love for us is unconditional. The moment when we shift our focus off of our past and onto our purpose. The moment when we shift our focus off of our sin and shame and onto our Savior and our salvation. And if we look at the first followers of Jesus, the 12 disciples, this is where their journey started. These were 12 individuals who didn't have it all correct in their lives. In fact, if you read the Bible, they constantly misrepresented Jesus and Jesus had to constantly teach them. They were more like us than we realize. Because one day Jesus looks at each and every one of them and he says, follow me. Now, this is what they did. And we can learn from this even more than 2,000 years later. You see, when God got their attention, the Bible says they turned away from and they turned towards. You see, I'm going to say it again. They turned away from and they turned towards. When God says, come follow me, I have a plan for you. The Bible says they stopped what they were doing and they turned from and they turned towards. They shifted their focus on what they were doing onto Jesus. This is what makes this significant. Because maybe you're trying to be a better husband, father. Maybe you're trying to kick an addiction. Maybe you're just trying to be better at life. And you're trying to turn away from that addiction. You're trying to turn away from that shame, that hurt. But the challenge is you can't just turn away from. You have to turn towards. You have to turn towards something. And that's what the word repentance means. It's not just saying Sorry, God, I messed, the, messed up, I missed the mark, because that's what sin is. Sin is us missing the mark. And all of humanity has missed the mark, and that's why we need Jesus. But repentance, the word, means, sorry, I've made a mistake, but I'm going to make a 180 degree turn. Turn from and turn towards. We can't just turn away from, but we have to turn towards, and that's what makes this so significant. So many people miss the mark because they don't realize God saved them from something for something. And this is good news. This is such good news because if you are just saved from but never for, then you're just a rescued victim, not a redeemed victor. If you are just saved from and never for, you are a then just a rescued victim, not a redeemed victor. God didn't just rescue us. He rescued us for a new life. We are a redeemed victor. And this is what the disciples experienced. They shifted their focus and turned towards. And all they did was they kept following Jesus. If we look at the disciples and how they saw this, they realize that to be a disciple and a follower of Jesus, all you have to do is just keep taking your next step. And what made these 12 stand out from everyone during that time? It wasn't because they had it all figured out. No, it wasn't because they had a theological degree. It wasn't because they came from the right side of the tracks. No, 
They were like you and me. They had anger. They had pride. They had fear. What made them stand out was the fact that they just kept taking that next step. They just kept taking the next step. When Jesus moved, they moved. They put one foot in front of the other and they kept taking that step. This is good news because no matter where you are in life, <coughs> we can win at life. Do you know how you win at life? Do you know how you can win? You just keep taking your next step towards Jesus. Do you know how you survive lockdown? You keep taking your next step towards Jesus. Do you know how you thrive during lockdown? You just keep taking your next step towards Jesus. So my question is, what is your next step? What is your next step? Because this is what the disciples did. They continued to follow Jesus. And this was their secret to their success. Whether he, wherever he was, whether he was going this way or that way, they were going to be with him. Now there's one great story in the Bible about the disciples following Jesus. And we see this in Matthew 14. And I'm going to paraphrase it, but I want to encourage you to go back and read these stories. Get these stories into your spirit because they're about people who followed Jesus, who were just like you and me, everyday, ordinary people. Jesus said to the disciples, I want you to get into the boat and go to the other side, and I'll meet you there. So the disciples set off that night, and a storm hits at about 3 a.m. Now, back in those days, they probably never had good coffee. They might have had some form of caffeine, but maybe not as good as we know, no uh, no uh, Starbucks, no Seattle coffee, no VDE coffee. So just imagine yourself, you're in the middle of the waves, it's 3 a.m. in the morning, a storm is around you, and you don't have any coffee. Some of us have probably had loads of cups already today. But you would have thought that the disciples would have been okay with this. They would have been like, okay, because six chapters earlier, they were in a storm. Very similar to this. The difference was Jesus was in the boat and Jesus had to teach them a lesson of faith and trust in that story. But being real, normal people, they probably forgot about this. Or they were like, Jesus was in the boat then, but he's not in the boat now. What's going to happen? Now there's a storm. It's hit and Jesus isn't in the boat with me. So they are freaking out again. The Bible says they were afraid. It also then says Jesus made his way towards them. And miracles taking place. Jesus is walking on water. But Peter does something that no one in this situation would usually do. I can promise you, let's be honest for a moment. If it was you or me in this situation, if we figured out it was Jesus, we'd be like, Jesus, can you get into the boat? Because I know if you're in the boat, we can get through this storm. But Peter says something different. Peter says, Jesus if that is you, tell me to come to you. Peter gets out the boat and he walks on water. Man, another miracle is taking place right there. But this story can relate to our lives, to your life, more than you realize. You have the disciples. They're your friends, your family, the people that you are doing life with right now. You have a boat which is the vehicle that you are using to move your life forward, that career, that's that your studies, high school, the relationship, whatever it is. Then you have the storm. 
And that's that one thing that comes across unexpectedly. This lockdown, that doctor's report, the retrenchment, that one thing that you did not expect to come across your path. Then you have Jesus. And these two stories, like I said, are almost the exact same. There's a boat. There's a storm. There's disciples. But the difference in these two stories, in the one story, Jesus is in the boat with them. And right now he's not in the boat. And I believe Jesus is trying to teach them something different. And Peter, he remembers how they were doing life before they got in the boat. And that was wherever Jesus is, we were with him. So he went, Jesus, if Jesus is in my boat, I don't have to get out my boat. But right now, Jesus is not in my boat. So I'm going to have to get out my boat because I've got to be where Jesus is. The question is, is Jesus in your boat? Is Jesus still in that relationship? Is Jesus still in that conversation, that hobby, your family, your finances? Because six weeks ago, six months ago, six years ago, that's where Jesus was, in your boat. Now, Peter doesn't get out of the boat because he wants to do something impossible. He wants to do something miraculous. No. He's saying, I want to get out the boat because no matter where you are, Jesus, I want to be there. No matter what I do in life, Jesus, I'm going to be where you are. If that, if you are going to be in the boat, I'm going to be in the boat. If you're going to be on the water, I'm going to be on the water. Wherever you are, Jesus, I'm going to be there. Is Jesus still in your boat? Because if he's not in your boat, maybe it's time to get out the boat and take your next step towards where Jesus is. And I believe that the reason Peter could get out the boat in the middle of a storm was because Peter did not matter for Peter. It did not matter what he was walking in. Or what he was walking on. But what mattered to him was who he was walking towards. What mattered to Peter was who he was walking towards. And in life, there are so many tensions. And let's be honest, we didn't need this virus for us to realize this. Because one moment we can be on a mountaintop, the next we can be in a valley. One day we can be going through a trial, the next day we can be triumphant. But how do we keep moving forward? We have to conclude that no matter what I'm walking in, no matter what I'm walking on, it doesn't matter. But what matters is who I'm walking towards. And this is the good news. And here is some even more good news. I'm not saying you have to walk towards a checklist to say that you, you've done good. I'm not saying... You have to walk towards a set of rules and regulations to say you are a good person. No, you get to walk towards a person who died and conquered death, who showed us so much love so that we can live a life that we did not deserve. But he says, I'm doing it for your sins, your mess ups, your imperfections, everything. He says, I'm doing it because I love you and I want you to live a life of purpose and full. And I want you to have a life that is amazing. We get to walk towards Jesus. Now Peter's walking towards Jesus and he begins to sink. 
A lot of people say he began to sing because he was afraid. There was fear. But if you read the story, they were afraid before Jesus came. Faith isn't having no fear. Faith is being aware of fear and choosing a different option. Faith is being aware of fear and choosing a different option. The Bible says Peter was afraid, but he focused on Jesus. That's why he could walk on water. It's when he shifted his focus onto the wind and the waves. That's when he lost focus. That's when he started to sink. Peter fell because of an absence of focus. So the greater your focus, the greater your faith. And you might not have lost your faith during this season, during this storm, this lockdown. You might have just shifted your focus off of Jesus. The things around you become greater than the person right next to you. And the enemy doesn't need to destroy our faith. He just needs to distract our focus. So I'm going to give you three quick ways the enemy will distract your focus. And the first way is that you distract your focus by making you focus, number one, on the small things. Matthew 6, 27 to 33 in the New Living Translation says this. It says, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies in the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothes. Yet Solomon and all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And, in, and if God cares so wonderfully for wild flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he can certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father knows, already knows all your needs. Verse 33 says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. Now let's look at the NIV version for verse 33. It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. What are you seeking? I've seen so many people seek things above God and end up losing everything. But when you put God first in every area of your life, that's when everything follows. Let me put it a different way to you. What is the first thing you run to when you wake up in the morning during a crisis? Who is the first person you turn to? I want to encourage you. If you're saying, Jared, I don't know where to start. We put out a devotional every single day of the week, and that's a good place to start. And if you're wanting to be a part of that, SMS or WhatsApp, the number on the bottom of the screen, and we will get that to you. But like the Word of God says, seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these things will be added. So the first way the enemy makes you tries to get you to distract your focus is, to make you focus on small things. The second thing is he makes you focus on too many things. Too many things. And let's be honest, pre-lockdown, pre-COVID virus, our lives would have been summed up as way too busy. Way too busy. Spoken to like a few people 
before lockdown and they were like, it's February and I'm exhausted already. Now that we are forced to strip it all back, to slow down a bit, you're probably saying, what do I focus on now? And this reminds me of a story in the Bible when the religious leaders were trying to trap Jesus and say, ask Jesus a question of what is the most important commandment? Because they had taken the Ten Commandments and they had turned them into 613 commandments. Yes, 613 commandments to follow. And Jesus answers them like this in Luke 10, 27. He answer, it says, He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And we can take this verse and we can apply this verse to every area of our everyday lives. We can take everything we do down to these two things. How do I love God in this? And how do I love others? When it comes to your family, how do I love God? And how do I love my family? When it comes to your work, how do I love God? How do I love my colleagues? So that's the second thing the enemy tries to use to distract your focus by making you focus on too many things. The third thing he tries to use to distract your focus is he makes you focus on the old things. He makes you focus on the old things. Because sometimes the enemy of our next step was our last step. I'm going to say that again. Let it sink in. Sometimes the enemy of our next step was our last step. And it wasn't because you did anything wrong. It wasn't because you messed up. It wasn't because of anything like that. But we've fallen into the trap to say that my best days were behind me. My best days were yesterday. My best days were before lockdown. You're going to crash or you're going to walk into something if you keep looking backwards. Philippians 3, 12 to 14. Uh, Paul is writing this to the Philippians and he says this. Not that I have already obtained it all or have already arrived at my goal. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I want you to know today, the best is yet to come. God didn't say in his word that he's going to take us from glory to average. He didn't say he's going to take us from glory to okay. No, he says he's going to take us from glory to glory to glory. Your best days are ahead of you. The best is yet to come. So the three things the enemy uses to distract our focus is make us focus on the small things. Number one. Number two, make us focus on too many things. And number three, make us focus on the old things. Let's shift our focus onto Jesus. Turn our fears into faith and keep taking our next step. Because when we have our focus on Jesus, it doesn't matter what you're walking on. It doesn't matter what you're walking through. The only thing that matters is who you are walking towards. And just like Matthew 6.33 uh, says, 
but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. That's how we get through this. That's how you go from glory to glory. Put your focus on Jesus. So today I want you to know it is not a mistake that you have tuned in. Maybe you stumbled across this because it popped up in your newsfeed or a friend invited you and you decided to log on or you're just searching for something. It is not a mistake that you're here. I mentioned earlier that we have all fallen short. We've all missed the mark, but I have good news. I have good news for you. And that is you can shift your focus back to Jesus. You can shift it back onto him. Maybe he was in the boat, like I was saying earlier. But right now you realize he's not in the boat and you need to get out the boat and start taking your next step towards where he is. You can. And I love how Romans 10, 9 puts it. It says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's that simple. We're the ones that overcomplicate it. We have always had his attention. We can give him ours. Jesus has saved you for a purpose. You have a purpose. You can shift your focus from and turn towards. And if that is you today, I want you to pray the simple prayer with me. Just pray it after me. I'm going to pray it. Just repeat it because it will change your life. Just repeat this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross to save me and my sins. Today, Lord, I refocus my life back to you and ask you to come into my life. I admit that I am a sinner, that I have missed the mark, but I am making that 180 degree turn back to you. And I know that from this day forward, I can walk a road with you by my side. Thank you for this gift. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, congratulations to all those that prayed the prayer. If you prayed it, I want to say congratulations. Welcome to the family of Christ. And let's have the outlook of the disciples and keep taking our next step to where Jesus is. Until we are able to meet again, share hope, show kindness, shine Jesus.